Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today, my guests and I will be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Now, while yoga is a very familiar term to many, if not most today, um, When people think about yoga, they think about it often in a very narrow sense as just a potentially stretching regimen or maybe an exercise routine. But in reality, yoga is a much broader system, a system of philosophy and practice that connects us to our essential nature. And the word yoga actually means, it's a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. And we're very fortunate this morning on the Yoga Hour to have as our guest, Roy Eugene Davis. And our topic is Energize Your Practice. Roy Eugene Davis is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda and is an internationally known spiritual teacher and author, bringing the teachings of Kriya Yoga to thousands of students for more than 60 years. He has published many books on the teachings of Kriya Yoga that have been translated into at least 10 languages and have been 
and Roy has continually published the bi-monthly Truth Journal for over 50 years. Mr. Davis is the founder of the Center for Spiritual Awareness and has a beautiful retreat center in the mountains of northeastern Georgia. He's also the guru or spiritual teacher of Yogacharya O'Brien. You can find out more about his work at the website csa-davis.org. Again, csa-davis.org. Welcome, Roy. Eugene Davis. I'm delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you once again on the Yoga Hour. Mm. So before we begin our dialogue about energizing our practice, let's always we always like to start here on the Yoga Hour with a with a yoga moment, a moment of of attention and awareness, turning our attention and awareness within and meditation. start with a tool that we always have with us wherever we go and whatever we're doing we're doing which is our breath so let's take a moment to take a fully conscious breath noticing as we inhale and exhale just observing our breath not trying to change its natural flow and again noting as we inhale And exhale. With each inhale, cool air entering the nostrils. And with each exhale, warm air flowing out. With each inhale, we can dive within. And with each exhale, we can relax. And as we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and now, This divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise, and we can watch them as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation. Pure existence being, 
We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Roy Eugene Davis, welcome to the Yoga Hour. All right, thank you. It's a pleasure. So, you have been teaching in the Kriya Yoga tradition all over the world for more than 60 years. And this is the spiritual tradition that was taught to you by your guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, there's a lot of confusion, I think, about the term Kriya Yoga, and some people think of it in a very narrow fashion is just a, a breathing technique. So let's start by defining Kriya Yoga. What is it? And what does it oh. include in, in addition to breathing practices? All right. The word Kriya is a Sanskrit word and simply means an action or a process or a procedure. And as you mentioned earlier, yoga in the final sense is the firm bringing together and holding together of our attention and awareness with our pure essence of being, which is we call self-realization. So uh, many people do think of Kriya Yoga as only a breathing process, but uh, if we read in the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, which is the classic text on Kriya Yoga practice, in chapter 2, verse 1, uh, it is uh, Patanjali, the author, who lived more than 2,000 years ago, describes Kriya Yoga practice as uh, austerity or intentional mental and physical discipline and discipline of the senses, self-inquiry, self-examination, using a variety of methods, and letting go of the mistaken sense of self-identity, here in Western psychology referred to as the ego, or the mistaken sense of self-identity, the personality-oriented sense of self-identity. Then Patanjali goes on in the Yoga Sutra to say that Kriya Yoga, these processes, uh, is practiced to weaken and remove what he calls afflictions and for the cultivation of self-realization. And the afflictions are the troublesome conditions that we might have our strange uh, mental attitudes or wrong thoughts or illusions or psychological conflicts, fears, anxieties, and so forth. All of the troublesome conditions that interfere with uh, self-understanding, self-knowing, have to be cleared away. And uh, the doing of this, the clearing away of these troublesome situations, is part of the Kriya Yoga uh, discipline. So it is more than just sitting down doing 20 minutes a day and watching your breath or sitting in the silence. Right, right. So why is this a practical path for those who are seeking higher levels of consciousness? One reason it's practical is because it's non-religious. A person can be religious 
and practice uh, these disciplines. But a person may not be religious. They may be inclined to think of themselves as simply being interested in spirituality or improved self-awareness and improved function. And so by removing all the troublesome conditions and by awakening to our spiritual essence, to what we really are, we can function more effectively, more efficiently, and be healthier, happier, and more productive. So this is a a practical uh, outcome of Kriya Yoga practice. Mm -hmm. So it's not not just sitting in the silence hoping to have some mystical experience. It's uh, living realistically while being completely alert and attentive to what's happening. Oh, that's such a lovely, lovely description. So as I mentioned, you've written many books. And I realized as I was thinking about our conversation today that the one that I turn to uh, maybe the most often, I also um, often read the your translation of the Yoga Sutras that you were just mentioning, but your book, Seven Lessons in Conscious Living, is really one of my favorites. And it's a classic text that serves as a comprehensive course in, in higher learning and spiritual practice in the Kriya Yoga tradition. So it's called Seven Lessons in Conscious Living. And as you've just said, that's one of the practical parts of of Kriya Yoga. One of the benefits of Kriya Yoga is is the, the practical nature of it. So what is conscious living, living consciously, and, and why do we want to do that? Conscious living is living with a sense of purpose that has value to us and to others, and to, to do so with intention, so that we're not just bumbling along, getting by, or being half-hearted and seeing what's going to happen. We are alert, we are focused, we have a sense of purpose for being in this world, and we focus on that purpose. We're very intentional. We intend to get, we intend to accomplish uh, useful purposes, and uh, that's very important. Many people today uh, don't have a sense of meaningful purpose in their life for their everyday everyday life. They just sort of drift, drift, and if they can have have a job and pay the rent and get by, that's about as far as they they they, they imagine. And mm-hmm. we were born, we were born. I'm convinced to be spiritually, fully spiritually awake. Every person, I think, has a destiny to be fully spiritual, spiritually conscious. And that should be considered, I think, the ultimate aim of being in this world on this time around. Mm. No, I love that. And I think that that's one of the really beautiful things about Kriya Yoga is it really does hold that, you know, that this is each of our destiny to become fully awakened. And it's not just for those, you know, few um, yogis sitting in caves in the Himalayas, but it, it's really for everyone and that we can live in an intentional way to to uh, speed that process, to bring that forward. So, We've talked a little bit, you, you talked a little bit earlier about self-realization as really knowing who we are, knowing that, that, uh, that, um, essence that we've been talking about, really not just knowing about it intellectually, but really experiencing that. But there's also a term God realization. So can you talk about the difference between self-realization and God realization? All right. Uh, the word realization means uh, direct, 
that is direct meaning without necessarily the support of the senses, of the intellect, or the intuition, just a direct experience of something, along with knowledge of it. So that's that's the dictionary definition of realization, or at least one dictionary definition. It is actual experience along with knowledge of something. So self-realization would be actual experience along as knowledge and awareness of what we are. So then we are self-realized, the self with an uppercase S in, being used to indicate the true identity, our true identity. So therefore, the next step, God-realization, would be experience and comprehension or knowledge of that reality commonly referred to as God. And as you mentioned briefly, that reality is is often referred to by various names, has been for centuries and is today in various cultures and among various groups. Uh, the fact the word God, uh, the word itself, not God, but the word God, has only been around, <laughs> only been around a few a few hundred years. It's hmm. emerged emerged from Dutch and Old German languages. Hmm. Uh, because in the original Hebrew text, for instance, and the original Greek text of the Old Testament, the word God was not used because it mm. wasn't it wasn't originated yet. Uh, mm. The word God, actually, God was the first time the word God was used in Christian uh, in Christian uh, usage uh, in referring to this uh, higher reality was in a, a book written in, in Germany. Really, one of the first editions of the Bible translated into German, and they translated a a a, a German old German language word into into the word God. But this oh. ultimate real ultimate reality that uh, is referred to in all religi- religious traditions and spiritual traditions, uh, it exists. It's the only reality that is. And because it exists, we can uh, know it as it is. Uh, mainly, mainly, we can know it because, according to the yoga teaching and the teaching of many uh, religious uh, traditions, every person is a unit of the pure essence of that ultimate reality. And therefore, what is true of it is true of us. So, at the deepest level of our being, we already know the truth about ultimate reality. And so our spiritual practices are simply uh, unveil or uncover the troublesome conditions in our psyche that prevent us from directly knowing what we are. So in, in yoga practice, I'm sure you know, in yoga practice, meditation, for instance, the whole aim of meditation practice in the yoga tradition uh, and many Christian mystics have learned to do this, is to get to that stage where the mental activity and emotional states are completely quiet, and yet mm-hmm. one, is, one remains aware. When one is aware in the moment, without intrusion of mental and emotional conditions, the only awareness is of, I exist as an observer, a witness, a, a, a being. And this is... Uh, and this is very close to, to being self, self-knowing or self-realized. Mm. Uh, there was a great, there was a great there was a great man who was considered to be a saint in India in the last century, Ramana Maharshi. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he just stayed at his ashram in South India uh, all of his adult life after his enlightenment experience. And people would go to him and sit with him and ask him questions. And uh, when someone would ask, how can I be self-realized? His answer was usually, it's really very easy. All you have to do is be still. <laughs> but he was talking about absolute stillness. Right. Stillness of, <laughs> still, stillness of mind and, and, and emotions so that the awareness right. is absolutely clear. Right. And as anybody who's tried to sit perfectly still and had that as the goal of perfect stillness, the mind can still be clicking on at 100 miles right. an hour, even even if your body is sitting right. in one yeah. All right. It can be so, stimulated. It can be stimulated by the senses or by memories, or even mm-hmm. by unconscious unconscious impulses that that arise that create wave like movements in the mind and awareness. Even when we're trying to be calm, we say, "Gee, how how do I calm the mind and settle down? I want to, but there's something driving me, or at least driving my mind and my feelings that won't let me settle down." And, of course, eventually we learn how to settle down, how to be still. Exactly, just by, you know, continued continued practice. So when you were serving as a monk at Self-Realization Fellowship, studying with Yogananda, you were assigned to the Phoenix Ministry and traveled regularly back to Los Angeles to meet with your, your guru, your spiritual teacher, Yogananda. But you've told us... I've, have listened to you uh, talk several times, and and I've heard this story a few times about uh, one time when you met with Paramahansa Yoga, he told you to go straight to the goal. So can you tell us more about that instruction that he gave you? Yes. That that occasion was about uh, three to four weeks before he made his transition. He passed on March 7, 1952. So I was visiting him in February, and he was out at his desert retreat house in 29 Palms, California. And uh, to backtrack, uh, I met him around Christmas time, 1949, and I had my first appointment with him on Christmas Day uh, of that uh, year, which happened to be a su- Sunday. Uh, he talked at su- Sunday morning at the Sorcerization Fellowship Temple in Hollywood, and I attended with some of the other people. And then I was told that he would see me later in the day after he had seen all the other people who had appointments with him. So I, when I was alone with him that afternoon, we talked about 20 minutes. I asked if I could be his disciple. I had just hitchhiked across the country from from, from Florida. Uh, and uh, anyway, I asked if I could be his disciple, and he gave me some instruction on how to fit into the uh, routine there at headquarters that I should meditate at least 30 minutes twice a day, should read his uh, writings for the first year, uh, and a a few other things. And then his closing comment was, read a little, meditate more, think of God all the time. That was my my guidance uh, ever after. Then, after a little more than two years with him, Shortly before he passed, I was visiting out of the desert retreat house where he lived. And uh, we were talking for about an hour alone in his living room. And then his final words to me, the final verbal instruction that he gave to me uh, was this. He said, don't allow your mind 
to be troubled by what others do or don't do. And don't look back and don't look to the left or to the right. In other words, don't be distracted. Look straight ahead to the goal. I knew what he meant by that is self-realization. Look straight ahead to the goal and go all the way to that goal in this incarnation, and you can do it. And this is how he encouraged me. Uh, not to waste my time and and uh, looking back and rehashing old memories and old experiences, not to be sidetracked by anything that happens or what people say, but we have to be realistic, of course. We have to function realistic and realistically in the world. But we should always have in front of our in front of ourselves in our in the forefront of our mind. My aim, my highest aim, is to be self-realized in this present incarnation, and I must focus on that. And that's what he was. That's what he encouraged me to do. Mm. No, such beautiful advice. I, I love that story. So. Many people feel that their lives are just too busy. Um, how can we incorporate that teaching into those busy lives? I think it would be helpful for everyone to set aside at least 30 minutes, preferably 45 minutes or an hour a day, for uh, quiet reflection. They can also have some time for silent meditation or prayer or affirmation, however they prefer to use part of that time. And also some time just sitting there, being still, reflecting on their life. How's their life going? How, the, how has their life been uh, been so far? Uh, how is it now? How, how do I want it to be? What can I do to make my life better? And uh, to be a happier, healthier, more functional person, and above all, a more spiritually conscious person. And it's a time to be honest with ourselves. And when we do that, I think insight will arise in the mind. We will have inner guidance that will be of value. And then we can go from there. I think that's uh, that's really very well-grounded advice. Thank you. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Roy Eugene Davis, an internationally known spiritual teacher and author, as well as a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. You can find out more about Mr. Davis, his work, and speaking schedule at his website, csa-davis.org. Again, csa-davis.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll explore how to incorporate more of the practices of Kriya Yoga into our lives. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. 
With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want. But not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors, The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. And my guest today is Roy Eugene Davis. You can find out more about him at his website, csa-davis.org. So, In the first segment, Roy, you told us how Kriya Yoga is really more than a breathing technique, and it's really, really involves the the actions or Kriyas um, that extend pretty much to everything that we do. Um, And the the part of the Yoga Sutras that talks about this is uh, one of the, uh, well, two of the branches of the eight limb path are the Yamas and the niyamas, or the restraints and the observances, which are essential practices in Kriya Yoga. So the restraints talk about how we should deal with um, others in the outside world. And so they include things like harmlessness, truthfulness, non-stealing, right use of vital force, and non-attachment. And then the, the observances or the niyamas are more concerned with our our actions uh for ourselves. And so those are purity, contentment, and then the three things that you mentioned that, that uh, Patanjali included in his definition of Kriya Yoga, uh, self-discipline, self-study, and uh, surrender of that ego uh, sense that you really did a nice job describing earlier on. So I wish we had a lot more time to just devote to each one of these, but why do we talk about them in general? Why are these practices so essential on the path of Kriya Yoga? Well, regarding the uh, yama, so-called, or the restraints, avoiding what what is not proper or or useful, uh, it's a matter of the result. The result will be we will live entirely compassionate moral lives and uh, not uh, egocentrically self-centered, but we will be... uh, uh, moral, proper, uh, or righteous, we will do, we will live right. 
And uh, this contributes to our psychological well-being as well as to the happiness and harmony in our relationship with people. And the uh, observances, which you mentioned, uh, among them is uh, um, purity, that is purity of um, intention and motive and environment and uh, seeing to uh, our, our uh, personal hygiene and clean environment. That's important. And also contentment, contentment in all circumstances. In fact, you potentially mentioned self-contentment in all circumstances, regardless of external conditions. By self-contentment, we mean being established in at least awareness or knowledge of our true nature as spiritual beings. Uh, It's not simply the the suppression of of restlessness or negative thinking or frustrating frustrating, uh, sense of uh, frustration and anger, but it's actually learn to cultivate inner contentment in all circumstances. And this is not a matter of not not caring, but it's simply a matter of not of being impervious to external influences so that we're going to be able to make right choices, think rationally, and live effectively at all times from the innermost center of being. So and then you have the disciplines you mentioned, the control or regulation of our thoughts and our actions and our moods. And uh, and also, finally, uh, letting go, seeing through, arising above the mistaken sense of self-identity. We have to have we have to have a, a, some ego sense in order to uh, function in the world. It acts like a filter through which we observe and interact. But the, the word ego here doesn't mean, at least I don't mean, mean it to mean that we're egocentric. Uh, because I, I separate, I use the word ego in the sense that Western psychologists refer, use to refer to that sense of self. Egotism is the big problem for some people, an inflated sense of self-importance, or I'm wonderful, or I would like to be wonderful, more, more wonderful than everyone else, and, or look yeah. at me what I've accomplished, and so forth. So the idea is to learn to live from this understanding that we are spiritual beings, and to to do, do that as effectively as possible. And, uh, of course, it's easier to interact uh, properly or wisely or righteously with other people if we honor and respect them. So I think it's useful to uh, honor the innate divine nature of every person, not just a few, but every person. And uh, uh, be compassionate, that is, care about their well-being, and when we can, reach out and give them a boost when they when they need it. In the Yoga Sutra, Patanjali, in one of his uh, verses, mentions how to have a degree of peace of mind and emotional stability. And he, and he puts it something like this. Cultivate an attitude of friendship toward all people and be happy for the good fortune of others and observe whatever else happens around you with this dispassionate objectivity that is unemotional reaction. And then you can, you can have peace of mind in the midst of a very uh, con- conflict, conflict, conflicting world. And today, many people approach me and say, how am I going to handle all the news that I hear? 
about international conflict and political intrigue and and physical disaster. And we've had three hurricanes in a row uh, here that that have uh, influenced people here in the southern states. Well, you just keep on trucking, you know. Keep on moving. Mm -hmm. Keep on going in the right way and the right with the right mental attitude. And eventually you get through all of this. We don't have to be psychologically damaged by what happens outside of ourselves. Yeah, I've always really enjoyed uh, something that I've heard you say several times, which is people just do what you know you should do, <laughs> which I think is, which you, I think is wonderful to, advice. When you know how to behave, just behave. That's right, yeah. Sometimes Yogananda would look at some one of the disciples who was uh, not as disciplined as they should be, and they knew it. And he'd just look and sort of halfway smile and say, now behave yourself. Because <laughs> knowing that they, they knew what they should be doing, and he was right. just reminding them to get back on track. And right. uh, in his relationship with disciples, uh, he was, I think, 99% of the time, very, very gentle. Now that he might have had to come come on hard on someone who was really a, a, difficult, a difficult case, but most of the disciples and most people that he met who came for came to him for advice or counseling, he was very gentle. Uh, mm-hmm. He was like a, like a, like a father or an uncle uh, who, who who understood you, and he was very patient with you. And when you were with him, you felt uh, you felt secure and confident. Because he always he was always boosting you and bringing out your best qualities, and every now and then when he when he saw a disciple who was really working on themselves to improve their attitudes and their behavior and their disciplines, he would look at them and he'd say, "I'm very pleased." And of course, that was a big boost right there, you know, when the when your spiritual teacher lets you know that he's pleased, he or she is pleased with you uh, because you're on the right track. And that's very nice. So he was always working to bring out the highest and best in people. Yeah, that that's just uh, so wonderful, Roy, to hear stories about your experiences with him. And it's such a privilege, really, because there really are not very many direct disciples of his that are yeah. that are left. I'm the only male disciple of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda who is still alive and teaching. There may be a handful who are still alive somewhere in the universe, but I don't know where they are. And mm. there are there are a few women uh, who knew him personally, uh, who are now, of course, in, in their 80s. As I'm, uh, I'm 86, and the reason uh, I'm uh, one of the last of the male disciples who knew him personally is that I came to him very young. I was I was only 18, right. and uh, then he passed two years later. So uh, after after he passed, there were no no one else had a chance to know him. Right. Most of the, most of the monks or the disciples who were there when I was there were four, five, six, eight, eight ten years older than me. So they've all passed on by now. Right. So I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm the only last male disciple who is still uh, still teaching in this tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, uh, Again, our, our so. tremendous good fortune to have you. So, 
So you've talked a bit about meditation practice already and recommending that, uh, well, the advice that he gave you, which is to make sure that you set aside time every day for meditation. How is our meditation practice supportive of incorporating these disciplines we were talking about earlier, the the uh, restraints and observances, the spiritual principles for living? If we have a daily schedule uh, of meditation practice and we stay with it, and don't make excuses to avoid it. Uh, that in itself is a a, a positive uh, characteristic of doing what we know we should do, and preferably early in the morning. Now, there are some people who are not whose uh, biorhythm is. Okay, Roy. So we were talking about incorporating uh, the meditation practice uh, into our life, and how doing that is a discipline. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? No, basically meditation practice, if we do it on a regular basis, will support everything else we do. If we're yes. regular in our, in our daily devotions, we're likely to be attentive to doing all the other things that we need to do. And so it, it, it's a wonderful way to, to uh, uh, support our, our daily life and what we do. By having that having that foundation of daily meditation, it will ground us in in, in our spiritual awareness and uh, remind us of our commitment to right living. So I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. And then the opposite is also true. So these disciplines we've been talking about, um, and as you were saying, you know, treating others with compassion and and really seeing that they are each deserving of respect because of their connection with the divine, the same as our connection with the divine, the underlying right. unity that there is, that that approaching things from that perspective is also helpful of our meditation practice. Right, yes. If we live right, if we live right, uh, when we sit to meditate, we're going to have a more peace of mind and inner contentment right from the start. We're not going to sit there... Uh, uh, Going over, going over, over unpleasant memories, or, or uh, feeling frustrated or confused. So, it, so it works both ways. Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, meditation will uh, support your daily experiences, and attentive daily activities will support your meditation. So it, work, it works both ways. Mm. And, it's and, a mutually reinforcing loop. That's great. Right. So we've entitled this fall series of programs, Energize Your Practice, and that's also the title we gave this episode. So would you share a simple meditation routine with us that would be supportive for beginning meditators that would help them energize their practice? An easy meditation uh, procedure for anyone to start, and even for people who think they're advanced but are having difficulty controlling their attention an easy way is simply to, as you you advised during the opening session today, just watch your breathing. You breathe automatically. You don't have to control it. Just watch it. And be aware of the air coming in through the nostrils, both nostrils evenly. Try to get an even flow through both nostrils because that contribute, doing that contributes to harmonious interaction between both hemispheres of the brain. And then just remove attention from the uh, feeling sensation, the coolness and warmth in the nostrils, 
and just experience the breathing. And then notice those occasions, which will happen spontaneously, of temporary pause, usually after exhalation, a very brief pause, usually after exhalation, before the next inhalation begins. And notice during those moments of natural pause, the clarity of awareness that you have, that it's like streams of thoughts temporarily stop. And you are, for that moment, aware in the moment without the support of thoughts or feelings or emotions. And then with practice, when you know how it feels to be like that, you can assume that state of consciousness at will with a little practice. It's sort of like biofeedback. People who go, you know, have biofeedback training or experience, when you find out how it feels and how your awareness is when your brain waves are in the right place, uh, the way you want them, doing what they're supposed to be doing, you have that awareness and you say, aha, this is how it is. And then with practice, you can just slip into that state almost immediately. And it doesn't take a long time to sit down and relax and calm your mind and and uh, become internalized. You can you can just be there almost immediately. Many people experience that. They say, "Well, gee, when I sit down to meditate, I slip right into it. It just happens spontaneously, and that's wonderful." And uh, when that happens, I don't use any technique or any. Don't pray. Don't affirm. Don't uh, regulate your breathing. Just be there in that peaceful, flowing, meditative state that is spontaneously occurring. And because we all have an innate inclination or urge, really, to be spiritually awake, if we give ourselves the, the chance, the opportunity, to have our attention temporarily withdrawn from externals and even from subjective subconscious influences, we will naturally be inclined to experience a serene meditative state. It will just happen spontaneously. But uh, the more we practice and learn how it is, learn to notice these physiological and psychological changes that occur as we are moving in the direction of deep peace, serenity, clarity of awareness, then we become more proficient in meditation practice. So it's a matter of practice, practice, practice in the right way and being attentive to what's happening, not going into a semi-conscious or a half-sleep state and daydreaming, uh, but staying very alert. That's, that, that, that's the key to success in meditation practice is to stay very alert and watchful and sometimes wait in the silence until you experience a shift, an adjustment of viewpoint and then you then you have that awareness of, wow, this is this is what I've been looking for. I'm mm. peaceful. I'm calm. I'm there. Uh, I don't have to work at it anymore. And it just happens. And when it mm. happens, you you recognize what it is. And again, in the future, with repeated practice, you can move into that awareness almost immediately when you sit to meditate. Mm. So for a beginning meditator. What would you recommend in terms of a length of, of meditation to aim for? Uh, usually, beginning meditators, uh, for beginning meditators, we can recommend uh, 15, 20 minutes. 
at least, to allow time to settle down and have the body relax somewhat. Um, but it's not too long, because if you sit too long, if you're a new new meditator, unless you're very alert and very curious, after 20 or so minutes or so, you're going to get restless. Most people do. Yeah. They get restless and their attention wanders or they get involved with memories and so forth. So if you can stay attentive for 20 minutes, watching your breath or whatever technique or method you're using, and get to that place, what we call the peak experience for that occasion, when you're very serene and peaceful in the moment, then with practice, if you want to, you can extend that. Mm-hmm. You can go for 30 minutes, for 45 minutes, uh, whatever whatever one is inclined to do. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is to stay alert and attentive. But if we go beyond that stage where we where we're no longer attentive and we slip into a uh, a passive reverie state, we may come out of meditation and say, "My, that was restful," but we weren't conscious. And right. It, and right. It's, not, it's not really psychologically transformative. It's simply a, re- a a resting condition, which many people may may need that, but. Uh, not not when they're meditating. Meditate during meditation. We want to be both physically relaxed and extremely alert and attentive. So yes, so often practice. Uh-huh, go ahead. Often uh, those of us who've been meditating for a long time have periods of time where our practice just seems kind of dry, uh, becomes routine, and, and we may find it difficult to sit. So what would you suggest to those of us who need to energize our practice in that way? Well, sometimes it can be helpful to read your favorite uh, source of uh, truth literature, whether it's the Yoga Sutras or the Bhagavad Gita or writings of a, Catholic, a Christian saint, whatever is appealing to you. Uh, just to just to be sort of uh, uh, encouraged and reminded about the possibilities uh, that that are waiting for us there in the silence when we really fo- focus in the right way. So maybe we need inspiration from time to time, motivation that can be helpful. Or now and then, if we can have the compa- temporary at least companionship of someone who is spiritually conscious and a good role model, uh, sometimes that, that can be helpful. Or to go to a pil- place of pilgrimage or to uh, a, a church or a metaphysical center or or a temple or a mosque if one is uh, Muslim. Uh, go to where the energies are very refined and pure because of the successful meditations of other people who have been there or who go there on a regular basis. And so in these ways, we can arouse our spiritual, our spiritual energies, our spiritual forces, and, and again be reminded of what is possible to experience if we just have the intention to do it, to go that way. <laughs> now that's lovely and, and, uh, would harken back to what we were talking about earlier about not looking to the left or to the right, but going straight ahead to the goal. That is so you've been listening. Idea. Yeah. You've been listening to the yoga hour. It is, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time together. It's been my pleasure to be here with you. 
I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien, and we've been discussing how to energize your spiritual practice with our special guest, Roy Eugene Davis, an internationally known spiritual teacher and author, as well as the publisher of The Truth Journal. You can find out more about Mr. Davis, including retreats at his center in Georgia, his books and publications at csa-davis.org. Thank you so much, Roy Eugene Davis, for joining us. My pleasure. We're looking forward to your visit to the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, next March, March of 2018. And there are many prior Yoga Hour episodes with Mr. Davis in our episode, I'm sorry, in our uh, archive. Um, You can go to unity.fm slash yoga hour and just enter his name into the... um, the search box, and they'll come up for you. Join us next week when our guest will be Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat, the spiritual head of the Himalayan Institute. He and I will be discussing how to discover eternal joy and ultimate freedom, focusing on his most recent translation and commentary on the practice of the Yoga Sutra Sadhana Pada. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition, with headquarters in San Jose, California, and programs that are offered online and available globally. You can find out more about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at csecenter.org. Again, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, our regular host, founder, and director, Yogacharya O'Brien, and assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, as well as Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. 
Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Great teachers through the ages have spoken of the importance of our mind and of being master over our thoughts. How often do we forget that we are the ones who decide what thoughts we'll hold and what thoughts we'll reject? The world's great teachers also remind us that our thoughts create our experience. We may not be able to change what is happening in our world, but we can always choose how we will respond to the changing situations of our lives. With a positive attitude, your chance for success in any situation can be greater. That's because a positive attitude will inspire you to look for workable solutions rather than allowing negative thinking to limit your decision making. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals, offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. 
Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.